Welcome to the Eau Claire Muse, where through stimulating conversations, we inspire our community to create the future it wants. This podcast is produced by the UW-Eau Claire Entrepreneur Program. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to the Eau Claire Muse, everyone. I'm your host, Alexa Capari, and today I am here with my co-host, Anne Repnow. Hi, everyone. I'm Anne. I direct and teach in the Entrepreneur Program here at UW-Eau Claire. And it's uh, exciting for me to be co-hosting today again because uh, today we have a former Entrepreneur Program student, now an alumni, and uh, we were just chatting. It's been five years. Welcome, Dan Beck. Thank you, and thank you guys for having me. Oh, those yeah, years went by fast to me. How about for you? It, it definitely has. I mean, I, when you had asked uh, when I had graduated, I had to stop and think about how long it's been. Uh, the the time flies when there's not a schedule put to it. Yeah, kind of <laughs> crazy. But uh, he is the founder, owner of Midwest Meals, and we're excited for the conversation. Yes, we are. So, Dan, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone just a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I and, and the people that know me, they kind of get the same spiel. Every time I talk about my backstory, I talk about some key elements so I'm from Ladysmith, Wisconsin. It's about an hour 15 or so north of Eau Claire. A uh, very small population of about 5,000. Graduating class was sub 100. Um, and really grew up kind of a, a quasi-intellect. Then I played a little bit of sports. And then I got really into skateboarding. And skateboarding is kind of what initially kicked off my, my initial desires to be a business owner. Um, so when I was 15, going on 16, uh, I co-founded a nonprofit called the Ladysmith Skate Park Coalition in Ladysmith because our skate park was absolutely destroyed. Uh, there was holes in ramps. It was really unsafe. And we just wanted a new skate park. And the city at the time, they didn't have any funding. Uh, they basically said, if you want it, go do it yourself. And that's exactly what we had did um, is is we put together the group and we ended up raising about thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars and bought a entire skate park from an auction uh, somewhere in Minnesota. So that that kind of took up the the bulk of my career in high school was really focused in on skateboarding. Um, again, though, it, it was kind of an interesting scenario. A lot of times you don't pair a skateboarder with someone who likes intellectual things, and I, I kind of fit that that weird mold. I feel like breaking the mold is kind of just what makes us entrepreneurs, honestly. Yes, and and I think that honestly it helped a lot when we got going with the skate park group because we would go to a city board meeting and we would propose these things. And rather than being someone who's coming from a background where I'm getting into trouble and causing chaos for the city, I'm saying, hey, like I'm, I'm an A student. I'm in after school activities. I like skateboarding this is what we want to do. And it, it, it breaking that mold really helped kind of establish some credentials into launching the, the skate park organization. That's really very entrepreneurial. I mean, all of it. And I can only imagine that it set you up to uh, be a little more resilient, maybe on the business entrepreneurial journey that you took later, as you saw or had experienced how some things take time, yes. uh, some hurdles are there, et cetera. That's yes. cool. Yeah. So how did the concept for Midwest Meals come about then, since that was kind of your background with the whole skate park and everything? 
coming out of high school and entering into college, like where did Midwest Meals come from? It, it was actually the the linear story continues right on from the skate park. So I had uh, grandparents that grew up near Eau Claire in the town of Seymour. So I was in Eau Claire a lot of my summers and I was really familiar with it. Uh, coming out of high school, I knew that I wanted to go to college. I didn't know where and the natural fit with somewhere that I liked was Eau Claire. So came to Eau Claire. Actually, I, I came on undecided. Um, and then within probably two weeks, I decided business management. I, I saw that there was an entrepreneur focus and, and that's what I kind of wanted to go for. Um, so while I was here, I mean, I did a lot of entrepreneurial stuff, but nothing that necessarily translated into anything of substance that I was going to stick with. But that tying it back to that skateboarding is the one place that I always wanted to live growing up a skateboarder was California and specifically Southern California. Um, so I took part of the National Student Exchange program on campus and I actually spent a year out just outside of Los Angeles in San Bernardino. And kind of through this time, you know, I, I still wanted to live in California because of that skateboarding background. But I started really transitioning away from actually skateboarding and I got really into fitness as kind of a replacement for it, almost a one-to-one. -one. And in California, I was introduced to kind of the, the entire meal prep concept. Obviously, they're a lot more health focused and you see a lot of the trends happening out in California before you will see them in the Midwest. Um, so it kind of, it, it planted a seed while I was out there. I didn't think anything of it at the time. I thought, hey, this is really cool. It's weird that there's nothing like that back home. Um, discovered that I didn't want to live in California for the rest of my life. Really cool place to visit, uh, not somewhere that I wanted to live. Moved back to Eau Claire and, and graduated in 16. But that last year, I really just had the thought, myself and a, a roommate at the time, we just said, hey, why not see if this would even be feasible in, in Eau Claire or you know anywhere close by? And that's kind of where it started from. And we just kind of put the word out to see if anyone was interested, uh, specifically just on social media. We just said, hey, you know, we're looking to do this. Is anyone in Eau Claire a potential customer? And resoundingly, people are like, yes, this is something that we wanted. And, and that's kind of where it, it stemmed from. But it was a part of the last year of my, my undergrad as well. I used it for some class projects as I was getting the uh, licensing and everything in order to actually move forward with it. That's super fun. And did, did you actually kick off your business during your spring semester? I was trying to recall. I think you did, right? Yes, it was, it was formed in uh, actually the very beginning of the spring semester. I didn't actually get to start doing full production until just before I graduated. Um, the actually the the weekend of graduation, I actually was in the kitchen doing some cooking that day as well. Um, but it was a, a long process going through all the licensing and making sure everything was up to code to be able to produce food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely one of the hurdles that a lot of entrepreneurs have to jump through. And it's crazy. Like I have um, background in just doing like a service as a business. So having to go through all of those regulations is not something that I'm familiar with, but something that a lot of other entrepreneurs can connect with. And I've learned through the years too, you know, making friends with a lot of business owners is food has a lot of red tape that goes with it. And probably for good reason, it, it's a good thing because it, it makes the consumer safe. 
But at the same time, it's also a good thing because it's a barrier to entry for a competitor to come in. We know that we've already gone through that stuff um, as well. That's a very good point. Did you use any sort of a shared kitchen at the start? Yes. So so the very beginning, uh, you know, through high school, I actually worked for the city of Ladysmith mowing lawns. Um, and I had probably 3000 or $4,000 kind of saved up. And obviously, that's not enough for a commercial kitchen. Um, so I, I did a little bit of research on what was out there and available that I could get into that would fit these licensing requirements. Um, and I found a spot in Banbury Place called Forage that would allow me to rent their kitchen on the weekends for production. Um, and then I just rented a little space on the first floor for pickups for customers, and I just really rolled into it from there. Okay. Yeah, I thought I remembered that. How long from when you uh, were at Forage till when you got your own commercial kitchen? It was about a two-year process from starting the business to getting into that kitchen to actually starting in uh, building out a complete commercial kitchen. We finished up the construction at the end of 2017, and we were in there the first week of, of 2018. Uh, on January 1st. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. It's incredible. Um, so what was it like for you when you were starting this business up as a student? Like, was it like a little intimidating or did you kind of know like, yes, this is exactly what I want to do? Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's intimidating because that's just kind of who I am. I think that no matter what, I'm going to do something in business. I think the most intimidating thing was telling my parents that that's what I was going to do and I wasn't going <laughs> to go and work, you know, as a, a main thing and do this on the side. I just jumped right into it from a student. Um, and I think that it really helped that first six months still being a student and forming the business is there was a lot less pressure of I had to be successful in that moment to support myself, um, you know, going through it. Yeah, Absolutely. And um, what would you say to like students who are kind of just like staring at this as like a huge daunting thing to just start their business while a student? Uh, it's it. I've said it before. Uh, I was actually a part of the Collegiate Entrepreneurs Organization as well, and and we got asked that question a lot. And we actually brought it up to a lot of our guests, and my answer is always the same: is just do it. Because at the end of the day, the worst things that can happen aren't that bad. Um, so if you decide that, you know, you want to start it and you put your product out there, your service out there, and it doesn't do well, you can either pivot and stick with it or you can move on. You know, while while you're at any age, you can you can still start it, something that becomes very successful. I'm curious, what would you say to the parents of students that uh, <laughs> do what you did? <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky in the sense that both of my parents were very supportive of it. Um, I, I came from a, a stable childhood of, of support. I was actually the first, the first in our family to go through a college four-year program. Um, I have three sisters, and none of them went to college. So they, they kind of supported my decision that I was going to go into it. They knew kind of with the Skate Park Coalition that I was going to follow through with my intentions. Um, but at the end of the day, too, you know, it, it kind of appeased them to know that I had job offers that I could go do full time if it wasn't going to work out. Sure. Um, so, I mean, really, the, yeah, my advice to the, the parents is just be supportive. I mean, it, when you first get started, it can be very intimidating. It can be very daunting. Uh, and that support group is is what you need to push you through to to make it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And what was really appealing to you about starting your business in Eau Claire as opposed to other places here in the Midwest? Uh, it, it's interesting. So I, I 
a piece of advice that came with me from a professor on campus. Um, I, was, I was asking him who I should bank with as I was getting the business started. And I remember very clearly, he said, who do you bank with right now? And, you know, I, I named the bank and he's like, that's who you should do business with because you're familiar with them and you have a relationship with them. And, and that stuck with me in the sense that when I think about why picking Eau Claire is because I was already familiar with a lot of stuff in Eau Claire, resources that were available, being here. I knew the lay of the land as far as like geography of where customers could be. And it was a very natural fit to start somewhere that you know what's going on. So you're not doing all of that groundwork from from scratch up. When I moved to California, I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I didn't know where anything was. I had to map everywhere that I went. If I had tried to start this business there, I think that it would have taken a lot longer just because of those other things that come with life. Did you ever have a like uh, a conversation with yourself considering various places to start, or, or did it just seem obvious that it, I'll start it here? Yeah, it seemed kind of obvious to me. Um, the same with the choice of coming to Eau Claire for college. It's it just it made sense, and I there was no reason not to, so I didn't put any more weight into it. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, I thought that I was going to live in California the rest of my life. Um, when I decided that that wasn't the case, it was just the natural fit. Um, and especially somewhere like Eau Claire over somewhere like Ladysmith, not only just population size, but it's just Eau Claire is a lot more of a ecosphere of business rather than individuals who have businesses. Um, so that I knew through the, actually through the, the entrepreneur organization, reaching out to a lot of the local business owners to come in and talk to the group that anytime in Eau Claire, if I had a question, I could go to someone and say, Hey, this is what I'm working on. I'm struggling with it. Can you help me? And I knew that they were going to communicate back because they already had. Did you feel like you tapped into some of that, some of those business owners that you got to know? Did yeah, you call absolutely. On that? I mean, there is some natural fits. Uh, so from through the organization, uh, Jim Brewer over at Momentum Fitness, it's a natural tie-in to what we do. So knowing him through the university was the natural lead-in once I was actually in business to follow up and say, hey, how do you think that this would be successful in Eau Claire? Are there ways we can partner with your facility to do that? And, and he was very supportive of it. Um, and I, I've done that with a lot of people, um, even down to uh, Eric Wolf, who owns the Herberts and Gerberts brand, of my initial thought for a, a long-term plan with the business was go down a franchise model. So thinking through who can I reach out to that has done that or grown it and just get their advice on what they think of it. So, you know, that's someone else in Eau Claire that I reached out to and, you know, sent a simple email and he he hit me right back up and, and we've had a relationship ever since. And he's he's given a ton of advice that's been helpful. That's so great. That is does seem like something special that we have in Eau Claire that you might not have as easily in a big city. Yes, and I know too, um, when I lived in California, um, I was a part of the entrepreneur program out there as well. And we had to do class projects where we would go out to a business and interview them, ask questions, all that kind of stuff too. And it, it was not that people weren't receptive to it. It's just there was so much else going on that it wasn't a top priority for them to actually help out with it. Um, you know, they did, but a little bit more reluctantly than someone in Eau Claire might. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. For sure. 
And so you were kind of touching on like how you had used your business as like part of like class projects and whatnot in like that last like six months. But like how else did your education prepare you for your business? I, I always preface this by saying that I don't think that any education can completely prepare you for anything in the sense that if you have never played basketball, you can learn all of the rules of basketball and all of the techniques, but you don't learn the full game until you actually play it. Um, I think it's the same way. So going to to the university, it allowed me all of those rules and the fundamentals of, of the game so that when it came to actually rolling out the business itself, I had a understanding of accounting. I had an understanding of what did I what who I needed to reach out to to make sure I was in compliance. I had, you know, business communication skills that really I don't want to say that I took for granted, but I didn't put as much weight into their importance because I had already known them and I, I went forward with it. Um, and then there's a lot of those skills that you just learn from being in business. Um, but yet that and it's it's interesting, too. So it's not even the business classes. I think that uh, one of my favorite classes was a behavioral psychology class. And the reason was because it translated to business so one on one but I wouldn't have anticipated that. And that's a lot of stuff that I still to this day is I think through marketing or I think through communicating with employees, you know, I try to implement those things that I learned. Yeah, that's super cool that you can use different disciplines that you learned here at the university into various different aspects of your business. And kind of just looking back at like where you started, what were some unexpected challenges and successes that kind of led to where your business is today? Yeah, so I think that the the first challenge when it comes to doing anything with food, um, and I have a, a good relationship with a couple of people in the food industry not doing what we're doing, um, it's, it's a lot of red tape. And it's a lot of things that unless you are persistent and proactive in your relationships with the people who make the decisions, it can be daunting and, and it, it creates a lot of struggle. Um, so specifically, so we have these these machines. They're called modified atmospheric packaging machines. And all they do is we, we cook a meal, we put it into a container, and we put it through this machine. It pulls all the oxygen out and replaces it with nitrogen and CO2. We, to get approved to do that with the state, was almost a year process. Oh, wow. And we were the first in, in our industry in Wisconsin to even do it. Um, but without, you know, that persistence and proactive relationship with our health inspector, our local health department, um, you know, it makes it really difficult to overcome those things. If you're someone who is shy to go reach out to those people, it, it probably won't happen because it's, it's such a long process. So I'm curious, is that a preservation, food preservation thing? Yep. It's similar to like if you get a, a pound of meat from the grocery store, it comes in that package that's kind of vacuum sealed. Um, what all it's doing is it's replacing the oxygen with CO2 and nitrogen so that bacteria and organisms can't grow in it as quickly. Um, so it, it, if you just put a lid on something when it's fully cooked, from the time that it is prepared till the time it needs to go in the garbage is seven days, no matter what you do. Okay. Once you do that, um, it extends it up to 12 to 15 days. And there's actually a lot of research coming out of the UK that they're showing safety up to almost 30 days, which is... You know, a, a 
pretty big impact on supply chain for food, especially if you're looking at different distribution chains that require time to get to its actual, you know, physical location where it'll be sold. Yeah, that's that's significant time. It is, and it's it's a process that's completely natural. You're just replacing one gas with the other and stopping the bacteria from growing. The way that I, I kind of describe it to customers that are, are afraid or resilient to do it because of that is it's really no different than putting your food in a refrigerator. It's it's slowing down the growth of the, the organisms that are going to hurt someone. How recently did you implement that? This has been uh, since the beginning of this year. So oh, all okay. of 2020 uh, during the pandemic was reaching out to state officials. Uh, we actually had a lady come in that teaches FDA classes on the subject and you know, through all of that process of the year, we actually started implementing it at the beginning of 2021. Very cool. So besides extending shelf life, have you seen any other benefits that have maybe even unexpected ones that have come? Yeah, not necessarily unexpected, um, but it's just even generally our customer base that's used to at the time of five day shelf life, even at the end of five days, if they're still only comfortable with five days, the food's going to taste a lot fresher going into that. Um, it also allowed us to reduce our plastic usage because that top lid is now just a film. Um, so, so we've always been, you know, kind of encouraging of, of that as well. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So kind of going back to like why you stayed in Eau Claire, what qualities of Eau Claire were appealing to you when you first started your business? And what are some qualities that are still appealing or are new that are appealing to you now? Yeah. So I, I have a good friend who lives in Minneapolis who owns a online e-commerce supplement retailer. And I've been trying to convince him to move to Eau Claire for the longest time because one of his biggest hurdles as a, a starting business owner is Minneapolis rent is not cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the nice part about Eau Claire is there are places like Banbury where it's, it's an open canvas that's really inexpensive rent that gives you an incubator that you can go see if, if what you're going to do is something you want to stick with. So it made the barrier to entry a lot lower. Um, and then also just kind of the initial conversations when we had launched it out on social media to see if people were interested, I simultaneously reached out to the health department saying, hey, what do we need to do this? And they were so helpful in walking through exactly what we needed to do, licensing, certificates, all of that stuff. So I knew at that point that if I'm going to do it, there's no reason not to do it here because I know that all of those pieces are already there that are going to help me succeed. Yeah, that's definitely something huge that we have here in Eau Claire. We love being able to just look into like different things. And if one person can't answer a question for us, they'll definitely be able to refer you to somebody else, which is super cool about our ecosystem. Absolutely. Even to, I mean, you know, I spoke a little bit about becoming friends with a lot of the business owners here in Eau Claire, but at the same time, the university is still here. So, you know, there's there's been occasions where we've been a part of a class project for logo design or all of these different things that the university is also still there as a resource. That's super cool. Um, kind of like going back into that, what have been some of your most interesting projects that students have come to you with? It, mm-hmm. uh, it's It's been a lot of, yeah, like graphic design and logo creation. Um, we did actually have a... A student, he was actually from the the tech college here in Eau Claire that came for, he came on board to run the social media. 
and that's all he wanted to do. He helped out a little bit with production of the food, but that was his main focus. Um, so it was interesting to watch him kind of learn how we've done everything. Um, you know, we're not the largest brand out there, not even within Eau Claire, but we did a lot of things on social media that a typical old school mentality business hadn't gone into. Um, you know, even the first couple of years, we did zero traditional marketing. It was all 100% social media driven. Um, and then watching him actually take that idea of, hey, I'm going to start this position that you don't even have to growing with us to the point where actually he now owns a business and he's implemented all of those things that he learned with me and he's become very successful with it. That's super cool. Yeah. I know I remember that you are a fan of podcasts yourself. Um, are there any shout outs to specific podcasts that have helped you over the, these years? I'd say for sure. Actually, um, there's one, it's called the MFCEO Project. I'm not going to necessarily say what it stands for. It's explicit. Um, it's, it's by a guy named Andy Frasilla. He owns a supplement company in St. Louis. Um, it's probably 300 episodes or so. And that podcast started coming out when we were starting the business. And, you know, for the first year, it was really me in the kitchen. And while I was preparing food and doing all these things, I would put on that specific podcast. Um, and there was a lot of things that I, I do from that podcast to this day. Um, that's one that I really enjoy. And then the other one that I always recommend is How I Built This with Guy Raz uh, is, a, is a fantastic one, too, to get really a lot of insight into you know, how the really large companies actually started because it sometimes it's hard to be relatable to a company like Apple because they're so large and, and there's so many moving parts to it. But when you understand that kind of origin story, it gives you a little bit of inspiration that, hey, I could probably do this too. Yeah, it really does. And I love that you get that education is lifelong and it doesn't just happen at a university. It happens through experience. Yes, happens. I think that that's my inner, my inner intellect from high school, even going through college, uh, you know, I would walk from the university over to the public library and read books and look at business stuff. Um, but I think it's super important um, to figure out, you know, what your learning style is. So maybe it's not books, maybe it's through conversations, but really becoming a lifelong student in the sense that, hey, I don't know this, I'm going to go reach out to someone who does and learn from them, whether that's, you know, actually being physically in person or a podcast. YouTube is awesome. You can learn how to do almost anything on YouTube. <laughs> um, there's so many resources out there that if you're not constantly learning and improving, you're going to fall behind. Yeah, it's on you because the resources are free and available yes. so often. It's it's really a great time to live for that. Yes, right and, at your and I found too that a lot of those free resources are really even better than some of the paid resources that I, I've done. Um, so I mean, like through through uh, 2016, listening to the MFCO podcast, I probably put more weight into the value of those lessons I had learned in the time of actually running my business with it than some of the other stuff that I had paid money for. Um, so even I, I did Harvard's uh, online business school. It was a, a four course online thing through the pandemic. And there was a lot of valuable stuff to it. But a lot of those free resources are my day to day that I was actually struggling with. If I didn't know something, I could either reference the podcast or I'd go to YouTube and say, how do I build a website on Shopify and mm. figure it out? Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
That's super cool. I love just all the resources we have nowadays, like just being able to like do a quick Google search and be like, hey, um, I don't remember how to do this. How do I like file these tax forms or whatever? And like, boom, you have answers right away, right at your fingertips. Absolutely. And even to speak to that, to make uh, a business run smoother, you know, with technology, I use my phone for reminders for everything. I have checklists. I have different things that I need to do on a monthly basis, a yearly basis, whatever it is that there's so many free tools to keep you organized. There's not an excuse not to do it. Mm -hmm. For sure. So let's just be philosophical for a moment here. (laughs) (laughs) As I, you know, I think about all these free resources. We know they're there. The three of us definitely tap into them because we are the kind of people that do, along with many others. Um, what then, as you think about formal education, because we're taping this right now in a university, um, what do you see? I have my thoughts on it, but what do you see the role of that formal education has, or how can that shape you and help you in business and and toward your career? Um, we all know it. you don't have to have that. There are successful people that don't. That's great. But if you are one that does pursue that, what do you see as a benefit? It's, it's interesting. So there's, there's this almost sexy appeal to, oh, I dropped out of college or I didn't go to college and now I have this successful business. That's kind of a, a, a prevailing thing in the entrepreneur community. But if you actually look at the bulk of people that are doing well, a lot of them did have some sort of formal training, whether university, whether a tech, whether a, you know, an apprenticeship with a company. Um, you know, philosophically, I am 100% a proponent of some form of education, whether that's university, maybe that's not for some people and they should do a, a specific other thing. But I think that if you're not doing those things, then then you you fall back on the excuse of, hey, I didn't have a college degree, so I couldn't do this. Um, or or whatever to that effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also think that the um, any kind of formal training also gives you a lot more life skills and interactions that you wouldn't normally have. Like I know coming into college, I was just like, oh yeah, like I'm just going to go to classes, learn things. And then they threw me into group projects. I'm just like, what is even going on? And absolutely, those are probably the classes with the team projects and everything that I've learned the most from. Absolutely. And it's it's also a network opportunity as well. You know, a lot of the people that I went to college with, I'm still friends with to this day. You know, they're in professional industries and it, it still helps me as a business owner being able to go to someone that I lived with and being like, hey, I need banking advice because now he's a commercial banker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that's all the, the intangibles that you don't necessarily think about that you gain from going to a university. You know, the, the obvious ones are the, the physical what you're doing in a class. But there's a lot of those life skills. There's a lot of other things that you don't realize until it's retrospect. Yeah, exactly. Such good points. Thanks. Yeah. So if we're kind of like thinking more into the future now, so say we're five years in the future, 2026, what would you tell student entrepreneurs to look for in a place to establish their business? I think that it is very clear wherever you look for, you need to be somewhere that's business friendly, uh, meaning that there isn't active you know, groups or events or anything making your business you know, not be successful. Um, an example, uh, my, my friend that lives in Minneapolis, um, 
he's completely e-commerce right now and looking at opening a retail side, it wouldn't make sense for him to go down to specific areas of Minneapolis where businesses are constantly being shut down. It, it just doesn't make sense. I think that you can make do with a lot of places, but you want to look for somewhere that's business friendly and then also just talk to the people in business in whatever city that you're interested in and just get a vibe from them. Because even living from Eau Claire to Los Angeles, Los Angeles people aren't mean, but it's not Midwest nice. So you, you <laughs> kind of have to figure out what you want, you know, in terms of lifestyle as well. Yeah, for sure. And so then what would you, what kind of advice would you give to students looking to establish their businesses here specifically in Eau Claire? Reach out to anyone in any industry. Uh, that's that's my biggest piece of advice to anyone who is actually getting started in Eau Claire. Um, I, I've had times where I've reached out to people that do nothing like what I'm doing, just saying, hey, you've built something successful. I want to talk to you and, and you know, have, have a mutually beneficial relationship. So just build those relationships with people who are going to, you know, at the end of the day, be rooting for you to be successful. I found that most people who are successful, actually successful, will help you because it's 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 a give back thing. You know, you want to help the next crop come up. It's typically I found the people that don't want to help you are the people that are struggling themselves, or they have you know something going on that that doesn't allow that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think people really are genuinely quite helpful in Eau Claire. Um, I see students sometimes reluctant to reach out. I think maybe feeling not really inferior, but haven't accomplished as much. Who am I to, why will they want to talk to me? And I think it's exactly the opposite. I think I people have, want to talk to students and yeah. interact. Yeah, I 100% agree. I Every time that a student reaches out to me for a conversation, I am always happy to help them. And... I think that that's something that you find in most places that are are, are decent cities. Um, but Eau Claire, again, it was there and it was really done well in the sense that there was a community for it. So it, it reach out to people. You're, they're not going to look down on you. You know, the, the only stupid question is the one that you don't ask and don't fix. Yep. And I get that. As a student, I definitely feel like the imposter syndrome of, oh, no, like I'm starting a business like these people are super successful. I'm not at that point yet. Um, but there's always got to be that like fear barrier that you have to cross into success. So that's been something that I've found that's been super helpful. Yes. So And I, I've had a, a quick story. So um, Eric Wolf, I mentioned from Herberts and Gerberts, uh, you know, we, we started this this sister business to my current business and there's two other partners and one of them is a cpa and a lawyer and a lawyer by trade for a very very large firm and he flew from the st louis area down to eau claire to look through my operation and i'm covered in tattoos and <laughs> i remember having this conversation with him six months after the fact he came in he he opened the door and he's like, okay, you know, nice little business. And then he saw me, and someone who's covered in tattoos, and he goes, oh, what did I get myself into? <laughs> and I found that uh, when you know generally what you're talking about or you're humble in the sense that you're going to ask a question so you can actively improve, that they're always going to help you. Um, so when I when I had uh, had that conversation with him six months later, he said that 
oh, what did I get myself into? But then you started talking and I forgot about it. And it's the same thing as a student. You know, you have this fear of reaching out to someone. And when you reach out to someone and explain what you're doing, a lot of times people can relate because everyone's been there. Yeah, Yeah. I love that story. That's super cool. So, Dan, if you want to just share with us um, your handles for social media so people can find you on Facebook, Instagram. Yes. uh, Instagram, I'm on pretty consistently. I don't actually post anything, but I'm on there. I do stuff with stories, and I interact a lot actually on direct messages. Uh, It's just who is Dan Beck. And then uh, otherwise, uh, Midwest Meals is the business for all the handles for Facebook, for Instagram as well. Um, I'm still linked to all of those social media accounts, even on the business side. So I see everything that comes through if anyone has any questions. Tell us where your storefront is. Yeah. (laughs) It's in the Highland Mall on, uh, it's at 2145 Eastridge Center. Uh, We're tucked right between the National Guard and the Deco. Is uh, we have, uh, when you walk in, you can see the storefront. We have four coolers just packed full of food. And then you kind of see through the back is the commercial kitchen that we had built right back behind it. That's awesome. I've been in there, but it's been a while. I need to get back. And, and we've expanded. We Ooh, actually cool. added about an additional 2,000 square feet back behind because we ran out of room for employee break room, for wow. storing stuff, for everything wow. as well. Maybe give people an idea about what is it you sell? What would they find if they came it's, to there? Yeah, it's it's a my, – my focus is a – better healthy alternative to fast food and that's kind of how i always position it in terms of marketing as well so it's going to be a fully cooked meal for one and the the goal is to really i mean the primary business focus is to help fight the obesity epidemic in the united states particularly um, and create something that is comparable in terms of price and convenience to the busy business professional who's going out to chipotle or they're going out to taco bell Um, so it's, you know, we have customers that'll get a couple of meals a week to make it a little bit easier for them. And we have people that buy 30 or 40 a week. Wow. And people can just heat them up in the microwave in the same container, put it in something else. What is? Yep. It's a, it's a polypropylene. So it's microwave safe. Um, we have some people that don't want to go that route. They'll put it into a pan and heat it up on the stovetop or in the oven. Um, but they're, they're, we do everything fresh with that modified air packing equipment. Um, we have a lot of people as well that, I mean, we have people that drive over from Minneapolis that'll buy 50 or 60 meals and then they'll throw them in their freezer and then they'll take it with it kind of during their busy time of the day. And then we always encourage, you know, it's not a replacement for cooking at home necessarily. It's a, it's a replacement for your busy times of your day so that when you are home, you can focus in on on actually being home, cooking food, spending time with people. Yeah, it's right. a great, healthy alternative. Yeah. I forget about it sometimes. But, uh, <laughs> so busy college students, go check it out. Yeah. I definitely need to get my butt over there. <laughs> yes. We, when we do uh, a lot of local deliveries as well. Um, you know, we we're every week we're delivering to a lot of college students that uh, – you know, instead of doing a meal plan, they'll do, you know, so many meals per week. Um, and it, it, That's a great idea. Yeah, it really is. Well, from my part, I'll just say it's just been an honor to have you here today. And um, 
just so proud of all that you've accomplished and that you have a little association with UW-Eau Claire, a little association with the Entrepreneur <laughs> Program, uh, because it's, it's really uh, fun to know you and to see you go out into the world and create something big. So I appreciate awesome. it. And thank, thank you guys you. for having me on. I'm I'm always, you know, you know, speaking to the what I had learned from the the people in Eau Claire. I'm always happy to give back. Yeah, and thank you so much for giving back some of that insight for everyone listening today. So we are just looking forward to seeing how much your business grows and we're glad that we had you on today. Thank you everyone for tuning into the Eau Claire Muse today. Please check out the show notes at theauclairemuse.com and don't forget to like this segment and follow our social media pages so you don't miss out on any of our amazing guests. Today's podcast was brought to you by the UW-Eau Claire Entrepreneur Program, an active partner in our region's entrepreneurial ecosystem. Thank you for listening.